Perfect. Okay. Okay, Recording? so tell me, yes, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you overcame yourself and how you turned um, you, your, what you were really good at, what's unique about you into a business. <laughs> well, let me tell you what I, I've been dealing with. I grew up with undiagnosed ADHD, Asperger's and dyslexia. So I struggled in school. I struggled socially. Always felt like I didn't fit in anywhere, even in my own family. I was bullied by my brothers, my father, my mom, uh, very ADHD, short fuse. So she and I were very codependent. You know, she was rescuing me all the time and was really the only one who showed me any kind of nurturing. And really I had a friend here and there, but no real close social bonds. In high school is where I really discovered my sense of humor. I had an ability to mimic accents and I, I copied funny lines from movies almost spot on and people found me entertaining. So I found a social circle that way. And I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer just before I graduated high school. Wow. So I had surgery for that. Then I graduated. Then I had a follow-up blood test after graduation and it turns out the cancer had spread. And so I had to have chemotherapy after graduation. That was devastating because I didn't have any support. This was back in the eighties before the internet. So after graduation, you know, all I had was a phone and I wasn't close to too many people. So I couldn't exactly spread the word saying, Hey, I'm going through hell. I'd like your support. So it was just pretty much me alone dealing with this. So that was traumatic, and I had to get some counseling to, to get through the anger and the mistrust and everything, and I met with a male social worker, and up to that point in my life, the guys, for the most part, that I had encountered were the bullies. Mm -hmm. Those were the ones who were mean to me. All the guys were bad guys, and now here was a man that was patient, compassionate, and it was a total paradigm shift for me. It, it gave me permission to show up in a way that I had been wanting to show up, but was always criticized. Wow. Bri, you're being a wuss, you're being a, you know, a sissy, whatever, you're too emotional, you're too sensitive. And now this guy is being compassionate and it's empowering. And he's doing it as a profession. So to me, this was a way forward. And I even told him that. I said, I want to do what you do. And then when he saw my growth over those two years, he says, I think you're ready. Wow. I think you're ready for this. So we kind of finished our journey together and I moved forward and went to college and got my master's in social work, got married, started having kids. And then when my kids were subsequently diagnosed with ADHD and Asperger's and the school system was not doing right by them, I had to immerse myself in all the reading that I could do. I started going to the seminars. I started talking to other parents so that I could become the expert they needed me to be so that I could educate the people that were not doing what they needed to do. You're a superhero. And, well, I'm, I'm not one to sit on the sidelines and be a victim because after the cancer and feeling so helpless, once I came out of that, I promised myself I would never be helpless again. 
Wow. So when I see a problem and I start to feel helpless, my first response is, oh no, there's gotta be something I can do here to turn this around. I love that. So even to this day, I just recently started a, a community on a different platform, I call it Wait Village. Wait stands for we're all in this together. And it's a community for people with disabilities and mental health challenges to come together understanding that we are all first and foremost human beings. And this whatever label you use to describe a unique challenge doesn't tell the whole story about who you are. It's a piece of the story. So let's come together as human beings first and bond under that larger umbrella. Then within that community, there can be smaller groups for those specific pieces. So you can come here and talk about your bipolar. You can come here and talk about your depression, but we're also gonna talk about what it means to be human beings. Because if we're gonna have inclusion in society, there has to be a space where we can actually be inclusive. Mm-hmm. and then take that back into our everyday lives. That's my vision for this community. And I'm doing that because I have boys that are going to be launching soon. And this society is not inclusive yet. And I can't sit at home and bitch and tell everybody else they need to make an inclusive society if I'm not doing something about it myself. Wow. So that's something that I'm doing to be part of the solution. And back in 2014... I'd been wracked with pain for years and didn't know why. And I was almost bedridden at that point. I was in so much pain. And I finally got an answer that I have an inherited connective tissue disorder. And it affects my joints primarily. And what it means is that the collagen that makes up my ligaments and tendons is very weak. So what I need to keep my joints stable is, is two weeks. So my, my joints are wobbly. So when I stand, everything stretches instead of being supported. Hmm. So I kind of walk like I'm drunk because things are loose and my joints injure easily. I need to wear braces on my feet and ankles because my left foot kind of drops like this when I walk. So I sometimes trip on my own foot and my right foot likes to do this when I walk. It doesn't like to stay steady. Oh wow! So it's exhausting to try and walk. So now that I have the, the orthotics, I can walk more, I can walk further, but I still walk like, you know, somebody's moving the boat. So it's still exhausting, but I can, I can walk further sitting up, you know, I'm in a recliner, but I'm leaning back because holding my body upright is exhausting Oh wow! because my spine is very loose and my back muscles start to spasm because they're fighting so hard to keep my spine stable. So yeah, that's, that's how my body is. My body hurts all the time. So I have to lay down and rest as much as I can because it just gets exhausting just being up. So that's the, the Ehlers-Danlos and my two younger boys have that. Not to the degree I do because they're younger. You know, right. I'm 51. I've been beating the shit out of my body my whole life. <laughs> so it's caught up with me. 
So I have that and I have the, you know, the ADHD and all that other stuff. And I've had to be really resourceful to, to maintain the level of productivity I want to have in order to create the impact I want to have. Yes. One, because I've still got a family to support. And two, because I want my boys to see me remaining engaged in society regardless of my challenges. That's awesome. Because I don't want to see me as rationale for making excuses for their own challenges. Yeah. I've seen that in my life before where I've had a family who um, kind of succumbed to what the mental health issues that they're going to and they, they just kind of become recluses and they can't go out, they can't talk to anyone and it sucks, you know, like I don't want to be like yeah. that. I need to work, you know, even though I have some of the same things they have, I've got to work to maintain you know be a part of society like you said because you know that has to be that's important part unity community and um you know and fighting for our place in society man like I, like you said you know i'm just a human too trying to figure it out <laughs> there there are so many misunderstandings about what it means to be human that create that scenario and one of the misunderstandings is pathologizing these differences that we have saying these struggles, this list of struggles deserves its own designation. We're gonna call it depression. We're gonna call it ADHD. And we're going to put it under this category called disorders or syndromes or diseases or illnesses. And because you do that, you other the group of people that are there. You make them less than, you make them defective. And by doing that, you remove them from the group, the larger group. And I just want to yell, stop it. <laughs> these, these are human beings. You can say, I'm dealing with a fellow traveler here, a fellow person who's having these struggles, you know, kind of like we all do. I've got my struggles, they have their struggles. And can we work together to support this person in struggling less? You know, like when I go for help, when I'm struggling and I want to struggle less, you know, just reminding people that this is not so different from what you or I experience. Just because we slap a label on it. Right. The, the more we create these distinctions and comparison, the more we create this illusion that we are so different from each other. And we need to remain mindful of the fact that we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And not make the mistake of thinking that these divisions are real divisions. They're imagined. Yeah, just, you know, that makes me think of like, um, like state lines when you go into space, you know, <laughs> you don't see exactly. state lines, you just see a country. Well, map says I should see a big line right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell me more about your business and how you've been able to turn this amazing fight for your sons into a business? Well, that kind of was, that was completely unplanned. Okay. When all of this started happening with my sons, I was working a day job. I was working with hospice, okay. working with people that were dying and their families and the grief process. Mm -hmm. And That's I tough. was being called to 
intervene on my son's behalf, my oldest boy. He was having meltdowns in the classroom. He was turning desks over. He was having anger fits. He was running out of the class. He was threatening the fellow students. And they weren't willing to support him. The teacher wanted to, but it was the administration that was fighting it. The principal and other people just thought this was a behavior issue. He needed to be medicated and told to just sit down and be a good boy. And when it didn't work, I needed to be called to calm him down. And my boss kind of got, was getting on my case about how disruptive this was becoming to my ability to do my job. And he was not becoming my friend. Mm -hmm. So I had the tension of the job. I had the tension of what was going on with my son. And simultaneously, I was going to this parent group I think it was once a week, no, once a month maybe. But because I knew at that point I had the Asperger, so I was researching my own experience and getting to know it. And I was also understanding my own, my own son's perspective. Plus I had the added bonus of being good with language. So I could articulate the experience in ways the parents couldn't and the ways the professionals in their lives couldn't because those professionals didn't have these experiences. Mm -hmm. So I would go to the parent meetings and I would let the parents know where they were getting it wrong and make recommendations for what they could do instead. Then they would go home and get results and they would come back the next time and say, I got a question for Brian. <laughs> and when they found out I was a social worker, they said, where's your office? We want to bring our kids to you. And I said, I don't have an office. I got a day job. I came here to get support just like you. And they, <laughs> they said, you don't realize the stuff you've told us has given us better results than the people we've been working with for years. Wow. They said, we want to bring our kids to you and we will tell our friends. I said, you have got to open an office. And it was like, I want to say, it felt like a year, year and a half that they were on my case because I never envisioned doing this. I didn't believe that I had what it took to be in practice, but that I had the leverage of these very uncomfortable situations. The day job, the, the boss becoming harder and harder to deal with, the seeing my boys suffer. And both of those scenarios required more time flexibility. So talked to my then wife about it, and we decided this, this is worth it. Let's take the leap. I found some inexpensive office space. So I'd work my day job. And on the evenings, I'd see clients. Wow. And on Saturdays, I'd work half the day. And in four months, I replaced my daytime income, working part-time the evenings. Wow. Because those moms kept their promise. That's when incredible, hung, isn't it? When I hung my shingle, the floodgates opened. And you know what, uh, what I hear in your story is you accidentally, what you did is what all the gurus tell everyone to do. You just started providing value. You just started providing value. You, you legitimately wanted to help them and it turned into a business. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to help my son is, and that is still my primary driver is I want my boys to be okay when they leave this house. And How old are they? 
They're 23, 19, and 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Handful. <laughs> I was a handful at that age. <laughs> well, at all you? of those ages. <laughs> so uh, now you're, now, not, you're I'm in my now? 30s now. So I'm oh. all grown up. No. <laughs> uh, don't grow up. It's no fun. Oh, no. That's one of my goals is to not grow up. I want to live like Peter Pan, you know? I just. Well, you've already got a tattoo, so you're well on your way to not growing up. I got several. I've got, I've got four. My wife, my God, I've stopped counting. She's got like eight or nine, maybe. And she's got a sleeve started on this arm. So before... before I forget. She, yeah. I have so many that I forget sometimes. Somebody's like, what about the one behind your ear? I'm, oh, yeah, that one too. <laughs> but by the time she retires, she's just going to look like a walking wall of art, you know? Oh, my God, that's so funny. She just loves it. She loves her tats. So, so. Um, in overcoming yourself, you said that you learned to use everything. So, um, what how I, did you, like, you is, basically took what you thought was the worst thing and you made it into something good that could help other people, right? This is what I really had to overcome. And mm -hmm. this is, this is not a one and done where once you get rid of it, it's gone forever because insecurities have a wonderful way of resurfacing. But what I really had to address and get a degree of resolution with is this idea that I'm not good enough. Hmm. And that comes from the fact that, well, comparison, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. This person's smarter than me. This person's better looking than me. This person has better clothes than I do. And that starts in school. That starts in our families. Well, your brother got a better grade in this class. How come you couldn't do it? You know, it's always happening to us. Mm -hmm. you know, even by people who may not intend it. And then we learn to do that garbage. Guilty. Totally guilty. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and, and I catch myself doing it every single day. We're online trying to grow our reputation and our influence. And we're looking at other people who are in the same space or people we want to be like, and we see what they're doing and say, oh, they're so much smarter than I am. And they're so much better with their copy than I am. And their graphics are so much better than mine. And then we start to feel like imposters and we feel like we're not good enough. And one of the ways I reconciled that was to realize again, that this comparing they're better, I'm worse, without remembering that we all have strengths and challenges. And in that respect, we are the same. What can reinforce the misunderstanding that there are some people that are better and some people that are worse is the fact that we hide stuff from each other. Mm. We only share our best parts with the world. The highlight reel of social media, yeah. right? People don't talk about their mistakes you know, talk about their failures, you'd think that their life is just the highlight reel. But then you come to something like my profile and I talk about my vulnerabilities. I talk about my fears when I make mistakes. I also talk about my successes because I don't want to give the impression that I am anything other than 100% human because the human experience is ultimately what we need to figure out how to live peacefully with because no amount of rationalization or denial 
for reframing is going to change the fact that there is a degree of suffering that is part of being us. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm reading um, the subtle art of not giving up. Yeah. And and one of the things that he said is um, we don't choose we don't actually choose the goal, what we want. What we really have to choose is what are we willing to suffer for? What do you want to suffer for? So the example he gave is like, he wanted to be a guitarist, but he wasn't willing to suffer. Like the first thing I thought was, oh my God, the calluses, but he didn't even mention that. He's talking about, you know, the practicing, doing the, the, you know, the same chords over and over, packing all your equipment, finding, you know, things to do. He's like, I wasn't willing to suffer for that. So I wasn't willing to be, you know, a rock star. Um, and so as entrepreneurs, you know, like what I'm willing to suffer for, what you're willing to suffer for is different. And based on what we're willing to suffer for is what the goal that we end up to. So what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Oh, that makes perfect sense. You know, when, when people talk about the grind, you know, <laughs> they, they talk about the, they think about the successes where they're on stage getting the awards and they have the money in the sports car. Because when you, you see the gurus, they're showing the flash. Mm-hmm. they're in front of the Lamborghini or the big house or the pool or something like that, but they don't show you the late nights and they don't show you the arguing with the person to pay the invoice. And they don't show you the going back and forth with the VA who didn't do what they were supposed to on time and pissed off letters, emails from people who didn't get what they thought they deserved. You know? oh my God. <laughs> they, don't, they, they don't show you any of that stuff, but that is, so essentially part of it and this is the point you need to love all of it yeah that is the key right there like overcoming the good enough you've got stuff about your life that hurts you got stuff about your life that you absolutely love and it all matters it's all useful it's all you it's all part of your life Instead of thinking, this is good, this is bad, this matters, this doesn't matter, use all of it. And when you stop making those distinctions in comparison Mm -hmm. and just love what you have, you can come forth in life with more authenticity because you're not questioning, ooh, should I I show this? Should I not? What are people going to think? What are they going to judge? Because it's just all you. And you also come forth with the understanding that if they pretend they don't come from the same place you do, they're lying to themselves. Because and another thing that I've heard is that it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get judged anyway, so you might as well do what you want to do. <laughs> oh, and one that I enjoy is you can be the world's most delicious peach and there's going to be somebody that hates peaches. Oh, there you go. Because you can't please everyone. Yeah. Nor are you supposed to. You know, a Mexican restaurant can make somebody a millionaire, but that doesn't require everybody liking Mexican food. Right. <laughs> right? Because you just need to serve well the people that like Mexican food. Exactly. My wife and I happen to be two of them. <laughs> and, and there's wonderful Mexican food in this town. But yeah, pleasing everyone is not something that anybody needs to be able to accomplish. Mm-mm. So any any last little tidbits, anything that you want to mention um, 
at the end? <laughs> well, basically, anything that happens in your life, anything, welcome it with curiosity. I like that. And ask yourself, hmm, how can I make this useful? Because that is so much better than, man, why do I keep screwing up like this? How could I be so stupid? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Remember that it's all good. It's all helpful if you look at it through a more skillful lens. Perspective. perspective. So it all comes to perspective. Right. I, I, uh, there's a lot of things that you've mentioned um, that I've wrote about in my book, actually. And um, I'm, I'm in the editing phases, so I'll definitely let you know when it's um, coming out. It's called Overcome Yourself. And um, one of the things that I wrote was when something happens, when anything happens, instead of being like, why did this happen to me? Be like, how can I use this? <laughs> so exactly. it was right yeah. along the lines of what you just said. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Awesome. So, well, thank you so much, Brian, um, for meeting with me. This has been absolutely incredible. I would like for you to send me the link to your group for the weight group that you, you mentioned. Bet. Absolutely. Yes, I'd like to around and, and and see see my people i guess you know <laughs> yeah yeah we'd love to have you in there um awesome and then um we're like we're friends on facebook now so we'll definitely be in touch right yeah we'll be stalking you soon okay that sounds good and then if there's any other links that you'd like to share so that i can get them out into the world if you have any um any links at all, if you have your own podcast or any principles or anything like that, um, I definitely would like you to send them to me so I can include them in the show notes. Sound good? I'll make sure I do that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Um, I hope you have a great rest of the day and I look forward to interacting with you more on Facebook. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.